0: Hello from your host, Andrea Jansen. Glad to have you back for episode two of the ACN podcast, a podcast by nurses for nurses to start conversations that matter. Thank you for your positive feedback on episode one. And today I'm excited to share the conversation with Sarah Hughes, where we discuss digital technology and innovation in nursing. Sarah Hughes is a registered nurse with over 20 years experience working within healthcare. Sarah has specialised in stroke nursing and worked in general medical, urology, orthopaedics, and general practice. Sarah has a master's degree in advanced nursing practice, a master's degree in applied management, and a graduate certificate in neuroscience. Sarah has also been an academic and educator, working in roles such as subject coordinator and lead educator across several educational institutions. Sarah is now the Chief Nursing Information Officer for Alinqua, a technology innovation company, and is passionately working toward tech enablement. Sarah is also the Communication Coordinator of the Australian College of Nursing, Digital Health and Informatics faculty. Sarah describes herself as an innovation enabler, disruptive thinker and digital health leader. Good morning, Sarah Hughes, and thank you for joining us on Episode 2 of the ACN Podcast. Great to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you, Delighted to be here.
0: And just a little shout-out to miniature schnauzer Hugo. You might hear him in the background of the conversation with Sarah. Great to have him on the show too. Oh, thank you. So, to get started, why did you become a nurse, Sarah? Do you know I had
1: to ponder on this question? It wasn't an instant because I just wanted to go and help people. It was a bit of a journey for me. Nursing kind of found me. So when I was in high school, I actually wanted to do zoology and legal studies for whatever reason that didn't eventuate. And so I thought I'll go do nursing and I'll try it. So I enrolled, I got accepted into university into an undergrad program and I loved every second of it. So there were probably six months where I wasn't sure if I was headed in the right direction the first two clinical placements, as I'm sure you can relate to, were pretty much a revelation for me. Uh, I grew up in a small country town, so being exposed to a lot that I probably wasn't really prepared for was a bit confronting, but I was really humbled. I was really humbled to spend time with the elderly because a lot of first year placements are aged care and hear their journeys and hold their hands or sit quietly with them or walk them to the dinner table and I just really enjoyed that connection with patients. I felt really empowered to want to help them in that last sort of stage of their life. And sometimes in the most vulnerable stage, I really enjoyed the camaraderie that came from team nursing and going around on the, the morning rounds or the evening rounds, following the RNs, doing our medications and learning from them. And yeah, so I just, I guess I really loved the culture and being able to give a little bit back to the community in it. And I've loved it and I've
0: stayed with it ever since. And it sounds like it's been a great choice for you because you've done some wonderful things in that journey. And I guess the the key there is that you were willing to give it a go, you know, coming from zoology, you obviously had this caring nature, but for whatever reason you went through nursing and you stuck it out through all those placements and unique experiences that you have. Yeah. And in that time, Sarah, Can you tell us about a patient that's touched your heart or changed your practice?
1: Oh, definitely. So this was a couple of years out from working, so through my qualifications and working in a hospital in Queensland, and I had specialised by this stage in stroke nursing. And there was a gentleman that had come in, he was of Italian descent, and he'd had this massive hemorrhagic stroke, so really poor outcomes, and in the first 72 hours on the floor, he deteriorated. He went up to ICU. He ended up back on the floor with a tracheostomy. He was completely uh, hemiplegic down one side of his body. So in the early stages, physios had said he'll never walk again. He just won't. So it's going to be a, a two-year-long journey for this gentleman to get him back to maybe walking with a four-wheel walker, if not in a wheelchair. What I really enjoyed about the journey with this patient was... He was not English speaking. He was Italian and his wife would come in every single day and we would do the cares together. And he had a track in so he couldn't communicate. And he was very determined. He was still mentally with it. He was able to watch what was going on. He was very alert and aware of his surroundings. And over the time, we had to learn how to communicate with gestures. You know, three months in, we wouldn't know what each other meant. I just really enjoyed it. I really loved that. Here's this guy who's had a massive stroke, who doesn't care and still wants to get better and he will do anything he can to get better. It was a really lovely journey to be involved with that with him and his wife. And eventually he got discharged. And when he came back about a year later, he walked onto the floor with a walking stick. Amazing. he learned some English and he wanted to say... Thank you. And it was so inspirational to me and I just really felt honoured and humbled to be part of his care team.
0: Thank you for sharing that story so openly. And, and through that story, you really have highlighted the privileged and humbling aspects of the nursing role in which we often do see patients at a really dark time or a time where there is no hope, but then to get to work with the patient and with the family unit, to see it come full circle is really a special and rewarding aspect of the job.
1: It really is because it takes a lot for people to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable
0: Mm -hmm. and sometimes Mm -hmm. not
1: have a choice and to rely on others to do everything for them. I just found it really empowering.
0: Beautiful, A a lovely moment of reflection there. And if we could continue with that, Sarah, thinking back did you have an idea of where you wanted to go or end up in your nursing career?
1: Early on, I had initially thought that nursing is so diverse. So when you, when you join university and you're in an undergrad program, it's all exciting because you can travel anywhere, you can work in community, you can work in general practice, you can do rural and remote, aged care, and so many other areas of specialty. So for the first two years, I think I was really finding my feet about what I wanted to specialize in. And so I fell into neuroscience and stayed with stroke for for many years, but in part of the the journey of nursing and and improving our skill set is working out the best way for me to diversify my skills. So how can I gain exposure to greater opportunities and career progression and whilst staying abreast of current changes, as as you would know, nursing is uh, intimately evidence-based. So we have to stay up to date with research. We have to stay up with evidence-based practice and we have to deliver gold standard care to our patients. So with that in mind, I thought, well, the best way for me to remain engaged and active and aligned with any innovation or change that's happening in this space would be to do all this further study that I had done. Um, With no real theory or trajectory in mind of where I was going to go with it, I just knew that I wanted to do it to open up maybe more doors so any opportunity that I've had I've leaned in I've grabbed it I've learned I've had so much exposure to many different roles from project management to tech companies to immunizations to babies and children and orthopedics and it's really helped shape and evolve my roles in the healthcare space.
0: Well I must say kudos to you Sarah for all the hard work and Also the courage to push yourself, to continue to grow and learn, and also to take the path less traveled. In some of the challenging days or days when it might've been difficult to see the end goal, how did you keep yourself motivated?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I had to work around three young children. And so to be able to keep my foot in my nursing practice and up to date with evidence and work part-time around the kids, I thought that was the best way to navigate that scenario. So the best thing that I could do for me and my family was to continue to study so that when the time came that the kids were old enough to be at school, I still had all the skills, I still had all the experience, but I'd also gained additional qualifications, which meant that instead of having to maybe go back and work on the floor for another four years to progress in my career, I could be acknowledged for the experience and skill that I had, and step in and not be discredited for taking time off and looking after the family.
0: Yeah, a common problem that many nurses face is they try and balance the old work-life balance, but great to have you share that insight into another way to address this. And continuing on talking about having experience in a variety of areas, I'm wondering, Sarah, if you ever feel the need or want to be an expert in an area Or whether you feel that being a generalist is appreciated in the nursing context rather than being a specialist?
1: Yeah that's a really good question. I guess I do have quite a lot of exposure to quite a lot of areas. I guess for me is I do have this knowledge and I want to share it. If I can be a thought leader in change management or people and culture or technology or innovation or startups then to me that's really valuable. So If I can be on podcasts like this or network and talk to other people and share my experiences, then I think that's the best I can do.
0: Some really good motivations there. And clearly your passion is around knowledge sharing. And I think you raise a really good point in that it's not about being the best or knowing everything about something. But if you do have knowledge and you're willing to share it with the right people at the right time and you can share it in an engaging way, then this is valuable. And it is a way that we will grow and develop together and as a profession.
1: No, we definitely do. It's really powerful. I'm all for knowledge sharing, the more the merrier. (laughs) I don't like this whole, I know it all, I'm gonna keep it here. No, no, let's educate, let's teach, let's share. Uh, I'm a big believer in The more people that know a subject, the more people can feed the information down. So don't be afraid to impart your knowledge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Nurses get talking, find your people.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) And this leads us quite nicely to talk about this information sharing age that we're in, particularly in the digital realm, the digital health space, the tech space, so many new terms flying around, but to begin, You're the chief nursing information officer at a company called Elinqua, a technology company. Can you tell us a bit more about this and also how does a nurse fit into this space?
1: Sure, definitely. So Elinqua is a software as a service technology. So we use it within healthcare. We're in about 80 different hospitals and several aged care places. So essentially, we unify data from different hospital systems, such as asset tracking to clinical communication, to connect healthcare workers and their hospital environment. So this basically enables them to streamline their processes, improve efficiency, and give clinicians more time at the bedside. So the software is actually, it's really powerful. I like to say we're the little boat that ties all the disparate communication system together by grabbing the data, pulling it in through a message integration centre and then sending it out in point of care alerts to wherever it needs to go. And it could be temperature monitoring for a blood fridge. It might be um, asset tracking, trying to find something. It might be a code blue that's alerted and we need to send an incident to the right teams and to the security teams. It might be a duress alert. We get to come in and sit with, executives and hospital teams and help them talk through their workflows and show them other ways that we can help them. So instead of you picking up a phone and calling a switchboard to say code blue bed 4 ward 7, you may be able to do it on your mobile application. You can go into the dashboard application, you can click that there's a code blue and it's instantaneous. It goes to the teams, it goes to switchboard, it alerts on the annunciators, alerts out the front of the room, it can be silent, it can be loud. If you would prefer it, we can do flashing lights, we can do all that sort of
0: stuff. It's just about trying to make things a little easier. And then interestingly, using that information from the workflow to feed back into improvement, kind of like that continuous quality improvement cycle and having the data digitally, which uh, hopefully makes all the number crunching easier, I hope. Well, it should, that's, we hope, that's what we hope to do. We hope to make it very
1: human-centered interface, user-friendly designed for the team. So it's, it's seamless, yeah? It kind of sits there quietly in the background. They can do more in their work, uh, in their work day. They can spend more time with the patient. And in the background, we're just quietly humming along, helping
0: them. Great. Some new innovative ways of working with technology, which is really exciting to hear. And also that a nurse is involved in this work. It's interesting that it's not someone with, and I don't know, the background, a computer science degree or a digital technologies degree. I'm wondering, Sarah, if you could expand on... How does the nursing role fit into this space? That's a really good question. Um,
1: I'm very much used in a lot of areas cross-functionally within the company. So I get to work with the product team and fact check what designs they're looking at implementing for our applications for nurses and clinicians where, yes, this will work, no, it won't. Maybe we should look at this and try this instead of doing this. I get to come in and help with the delivery team with some of their stuff as well. I get to do a little bit in um, the, the support side of educating how hospital operations work from the nurses perspective and essentially bridge that communication gap. So the first three weeks, and I say this often, the first three weeks I started at the company, I didn't understand word they said, And I had to say to the greater team, you know, you're speaking a completely different language. This is what I heard in my language as a nurse. And this is what you said. So it's been a massive, massive learning curve for me. I've learned so much about back-end of applications that I didn't know. The team is so patient and incredibly intelligent and it's really nice to come together and teach them a little bit about healthcare and hospital and nurses, our role and what we do, some of our pain points and bring in other nurses too. Let's have a focus group. Tell me what your problems are. Come to me and tell me what they are and let's see if we can do something. Maybe we can help you. And if we can't, maybe we can help connect you with someone who can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, there's a thread here of this connecting people, having conversations and not being afraid at what might come out of those conversations and using the information how you can. And if not, then connecting them to other groups of like-minded people and, and that can just go on and on and on
1: it definitely can the power of networking yeah.
0: well i guess this is a good opportunity since you've been learning all this new tech terminology to ask you to break down a term that's being used quite commonly at the moment and that is nursing informatics can you provide us your explanation or your thoughts on this term
1: sure i can so i'll do my best Nursing informatics. So, nursing informatics to me basically refers to any nursing information science or computational information that develops medical data and systems that ultimately support nursing. So, this means that um, with the nursing informatics hat on, we have teams, we have chief nursing information officers in hospitals, chief nursing midwifery information officers, chief medical information officers, CIOs that know how data works. So I can think in the top of my mind right now, Florence Nightingale, (laughs) who was the first person to visually represent infection data with statistical data, proving that hygiene works. And historically, nurses have always gathered data. We've done that really well for patients and for communities. And now with the advancement of technology and and having things like AI, uh, we're actually able to visually view the data of what we typically would have done by paper. Here it is on a computer screen, we can look at analytics and we can evaluate and see if what we're doing is working or if it's not. If we're replicating something across the workforce and then pulling all of that data for population health, driving efficiency in the hospitals as well and using it for more research purposes.
0: Great and sticking with nursing informatics, are you able to share any insights into What is happening in this space and how is it changing?
1: Sure. So I think at the moment it's really full steam ahead for grabbing hold of the digital change that's occurring. There is a lot of movement and acceleration and innovation in this space at at present. We... Also have, I'm sure you would be aware, there's a, the National Nursing and Midwifery Digital Framework, plus there's um, a digital roadmap for each state and territory to follow. So I think we have some bespoke hospitals that are leading the way in digital tools and innovation as more of a pilot hospitals for how technology can help. How robots literally can help. It's a really exciting time to be in the tech space, watching people discover a pain point, challenging the status quo, coming up with their own pilot design, going through like a startup program, building it out, getting the funding, pitching it because there's a need for it. They see a need. The innovation space at the moment is is full steam ahead, definitely. And I think that's a really positive thing. If people can embrace and be open to accepting that we might be doing things a little different because nursing is always evolving and whether we like it or not, we will be evolving with digital technologies. It's just the next step. It's the next evolution in in the nursing ecosystem.
0: Yes, thank you for sharing this insight. I think work like this and the changes that are happening, especially if they're happening so quickly, it can feel a bit far removed from people not working directly in this. So definitely a valuable insight for the listeners to have gained from you. What I'm also hearing is two things. One, you're a real champion for this change and it's great to have someone so passionate about this area. And secondly, you're really in support that change can come from anyone. You don't have to be in a particular role to enact change. If you identify a pain point and you can come up with a solution, go through the process of finding out if this can become a reality, if this can Become a change you want to see, and this is really empowering for such a large workforce that is nursing, because it really is that we can contribute to this change together.
1: Oh, we definitely can. Nursing is is a huge workforce. It's, and don't quote me on this, but something like three hundred eighty thousand nurses in Australia alone. That brain power is amazing and we need to tap into it and go everyone think differently what do you see that might help might not help but at least start thinking a little differently it could be something really tiny and small and, and a simple process it could be something huge
0: yeah yeah I love that and as you said that I just imagine this hundreds of thousands of light bulb moments happening everywhere yeah. on every ward on every hospital though so. <laughs> yeah and I like that you've addressed, you know, it might not make a change, but if we do not chase down the avenues and try, we will never know. It's all still helping get to a better end goal. I agree. And funnily enough, you mentioned robots, which brings us to perhaps the most important question that I will ask you today. And it is a bit of a funny, but seriously, it must be asked. Will robots take over nurses' jobs? I love this
1: question.
0: Look, there's three
1: responses to this. Okay, so although technology is incredible and still improving nurses' jobs, I'd say our jobs are fairly safe. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say this because if you look at the tech that we're developing, it's centred on supporting nurses to do what's important, which is to spend more time at the bedside with their patients. Okay, so we can see this in some of... This is a bit of knowledge for you. Solutions that we do, we automate workflows and this allows more efficiency in healthcare, but it's not ever going to replace a nurse. It will never replace it. A robot cannot sit at the bedside and hold a patient's hand, Mm -hmm. cannot comfort a spouse who's distressed. It cannot wash someone's hair. It can't shave them. It doesn't have the humanized function that is nursing. Everybody that I that I know in my network that has decided to nurse really is is deeply entrenched with the duty of care to help other people, and the human centred focus of nursing can never be replaced. But yes, a robot could deliver a meal. Yes, a robot could deliver a hot towel. There are ways that we could incorporate, but they they will never replace nurses. No.
0: Well, I thank you for honouring that question. It was a bit of an out there question and there is a lot of fanfare about tech taking over probably from the movies and whatnot. But in answering it, you raised two good points. And one is that if we do remember the true vision and values of nursing, no, robots and technology can't replace that. And secondly, it's a good reminder that this technology is just there to help support nurses do the work that they already do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if If anything, COVID has actually helped with that. I've realized that the stress that COVID has created for us, but it's opened up this whole other thought process of we have to change. We cannot manage like this. We need to change. What have we got that we can use? We've got technology. Well, how can we use it? Let's use it.
0: Great point about COVID-19 there and having to adapt, essentially it was a change agent in nursing. And I wanted to ask you just more broadly, Sarah, can you give us some insights into innovation in nursing and how this fits in a world that is also very focused on nursing guidelines, policies, and procedures? Well,
1: I still believe that we can still innovate and incorporate policy and procedure. The two don't have to be standalone. We can innovate to change for better outcomes for our clinicians, patients, and communities, being mindful of policies and procedures. But it's okay for those to change as well. We don't have to keep what is there. Yes, we we are regulated, and we will always be regulated. And it's really important that we we stay within our regulation frameworks, but. You know, recently there's been a continual increase in nurse entrepreneurs, particularly in the USA, where nurses want to make high-level change. And nurses should be encouraged, as we've been discussing, to think differently and feel that it's actually okay to ask the question why they're doing something. It's also okay, I believe, to suggest change if they see a better way of doing something. So I guess we really need to foster a culture of innovation and creativity in nursing, as we are continually looking to improve what we do and how we do it. So our healthcare ecosystem is evolving and molding as we know with technology and digital tools in our day-to-day work. So, so do the policies and and procedures need to follow on with that. The evidence-based practice and the research that's happening in the digital space is continually evolving and supporting what we do. So I actually think there's a really nice flow for all of that to come together. Whilst we have policies and procedures there to keep us safe and within our our regulatory guidelines, I understand that, but they will also evolve and change. They will have to.
0: Well said. Thank you. And Sarah, as a leader working in this ever-changing space, how do you maintain the vision of the end goal? And how do you have confidence in the decisions that need to be made along the way to make change happen?
1: That is a really, really good question and I guess for me the biggest thing that I'm able to do is be an ambassador for change and thought leadership so anything that I see or that I hear or that I know of that's in a network that maybe people don't know of again this comes back down to the knowledge sharing I'm really a big person for not necessarily hierarchical change but but involving nurses, irrespective of hierarchy, top down, bottom up, in any decision that is going to affect them in their nursing day-to-day work. So for example, if a hospital is doing a digital change and they're bringing in new tools or smartphones or other for the staff on the floor to use, wouldn't it be advantageous to have them play and try and feel and use this equipment? Before it gets implemented in the hospital, they are ultimately the end user. They're the ones that are gonna be trained on it. They're the ones gonna be training staff on it. I think it's really important that hospitals are mindful of the nurses on the floor, whether it be dragging in the nurse unit manager to come and have the conversations, letting her talk back to the staff, bringing in the CNIOs. Some hospitals have clinical nurse information officers Bring them in on the floor and involve them with the CIOs and the CEOs and the people that are making these decisions. It's really important because people are in those positions to be the face of the nurse because they intimately understand the role and how any technological change within a hospital could affect that. So to me, give the tools to the end user and let them play with them. Yeah, I would just, I just like to be as vocal respectfully vocal as i can and just make people think a little differently
0: great and it really sounds like you know you're you're in this position and this role and that comes with its requirements and responsibilities but you've got a it's almost like a personal or nursing mission that you bring to that role and that's being that change maker that knowledge sharer and you can use that role to do that mission. And, and that sort of seems to give you that motivation. I wake up happy every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great to hear because obviously you have found your calling and I think it's inspiring for a lot of nurses out there. And I think this is a nice place to leave it. Although I'd love to keep chatting to you, Sarah, and asking you many more questions, we have come to the end of today's conversation. Thank you for a thought-provoking and inspiring discussion about digital technologies in healthcare and innovation in nursing, as well as portraying a very exciting picture of the future of nursing assisted by digital technologies and maybe or maybe not robots. Once again, thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Anytime.
0: Thanks for tuning in to episode two. And now a question for you. What will you do with your next light bulb moment? How will you make that idea become a reality. And on that note, I'll catch you next month. Don't forget, you can reach out with any questions, comments, recommendations via Neo, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Take care.